Well, our good friend Rabbi Mark Schneier, founding rabbi of the Hampton Synagogue, is with us live via telephone, no doubt, even in the Hamptons. They're going through a different summer and a different upcoming 4th of July weekend than they would in a quote-unquote regular year. Rabbi Schneier, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning. Nice to speak with you. Pleasure. Is it very different, by the way? Is the population different? Are more people, especially the older ones, staying away from synagogue or have the restrictions and the guidelines dictated that you can only have a certain number in the sanctuary? What's happening out there in the Hamptons during this period of time that's usually really hot and heavy out there? Well, first, the Hamptons is overrun with people. Um, never have seen such a population explosion. Really? Uh, it's become the uh, promised land <laughs> uh, for all the uh, refugees from uh, the Upper East Side and other exclusive uh, you know, communities in the metropolitan area. People like, who, who would normally not be there? There, there are more people here. I mean, very, very challenging to find a home. It's like, in the midst of this pandemic, it's, it's like living in Disneyland out here. Wow. Um, and I must tell you that from a congregational point of view, it has been opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. I had four goals this summer. The first was to be the... Um, first major synagogue of New York to reopen, which we accomplished on Shavuot. We were the first synagogue. And let's remember that uh, our guidelines that were formulated by an in-house medical committee of the Hampton Synagogue have been labeled um, by the Suffolk County Chief Executive Steve Ballone, by, um, by Andrew Cuomo and others on, on the governor's staff as the gold standard uh, here in New York. In fact, two weeks ago, the Jewish Week wrote that arguably the Hampton Synagogue protocols um, are the strictest of any house of worship in New York. Um, and yet, you know, we're able to find that happy medium, that balance, that past Shabbat. Uh, we had over 100 people at okay. services. Uh, you know, we're very careful in terms of uh, social distancing. But uh, when you walk into the Citadel campus, uh, immediately um, your temperature is scanned, uh, sanitizing your hands under the watchful eye of our professional security. Everyone wearing masks. Um, we're probably the only synagogue I know of that has on staff a certified contact tracer so that anyone who was in shul over the weekend, anyone, everyone received a call yesterday from our contact tracer to make sure they are well, to make sure they have not come in contact with. Wow. Yeah, so we're very, very strict. But listen, we have (laughs) probably America's leading cancer. We do not have the uh, choir uh, this summer, at least not yet. Uh, but we do have our choral director, uh, Maestro Heimoff, accompanying Natalia Hershtick. I'm not trying to be funny. Does the cantor use a mask or shield, or it's not necessary? No, no, he, he does not when he's officiating. I'm just curious. Uh, I do not when I am speaking. Right. When I'm sitting in the congregation, I now sit in the congregation. Um, you know, we all have to wear masks. Right. But if I'm speaking from the pulpit, you know, I, I do not, but... 
For example, if I have someone, um, if I have, let's say, Rabbi Bronstein speaking, uh, making an announcement, let's say, five or ten minutes after I use that pulpit, that pulpit is then Lysol and sanitized. By the way, your sanctuary has a big advantage with with the walls the way they are. You have a great ventilation system. No, it's not ventilation. It's more than that. You know, we, in a matter of seconds, can right. transition into an outdoor facility. Right. So um, it's like davening in Central Park, you know, with the most magnificent tent. Right. About people feel very comfortable. So my first mission was to be the first to reopen. Right. My second uh, fact that we're the only synagogue in the world that has a television platform. Right. And it is a phenomenon, unprecedented, that our pre-recorded Shabbat services on JBS are now viewed by over 200,000 homes across the country every week. That is pretty remarkable. Unprecedented. My third uh, objective was to, well, for the past 17 years, thanks to the generosity of our great benefactors, uh, the Cayley family, uh, we have presented our uh, Jewish Film Festival right. um, at the theater you know, that they have provided for us. Yeah, literally, for uh, those who haven't been there, it's a local movie theater that the shul, I assume at this point, either owns or controls, right? Correct. So what happened that, uh, needless to say, we can't use the theater. Right. So um, the president of the Hampton Synagogue, Carol Levin, came up with this brilliant suggestion. She said, Rabbi, you know, let's go with a drive-in, and <laughs> we have our own private airport. How and far is that airport from the shul? Uh, either 30 seconds or 60 seconds. That's where it is? Yes. Huh, I never realized that. And uh, as soon as you're coming into West Hampton Beach, you can't miss it. Wow. And uh, through the wonderful uh, good offices of our Suffolk County Chief Executive, Steve Alone, uh, Steve Arranged, our film festival every Sunday evening from July 5th through Labor Day weekend. So this September. Sunday, this Sunday you have a scheduled drive-in. Correct. Is it, sol- um, is it sold out or a, you don't sell tickets in advance? No, no, we no. you have to register ah. in advance, but it's already oversubscribed. Wow. Um, we have, uh, we made uh, an arrangement for the Humble Toast uh, food truck, which is probably the most celebrated culture food truck in the uh, the tri-state area. Hmm. Um, they're going to be uh, serving dinner. You, know, you have to pre-order, but they're cooking on site. And the different food items you know, were named you know, for different synagogue celebrities. Uh, you can order a Hirsch stick. <laughs> uh, you can have a Kaylee burger. You can have a spicy Bronstein uh, Caesar salad. But the Schneier, you know, I asked my staff last week, I said, why is... The Schneier, the sandwich with the kosher bacon, <laughs> and they said because you're the big ham. So, uh, <laughs> and they got away. They got. They're still employed, right? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Or, or if someone on the staff said, "Look, it just fits the brand." Yeah, there you go. You should have. You should have the kosher bacon. Rabbi Mark Schneier with us, founding rabbi of the Hampton Synagogue. So that film festival is going to go on what through Labor Day? Correct. Every Sunday evening at eight thirty. Well, very nice. And the, um, you know, the uh, the gates open at around seven seven. So, are you encouraging outsiders, or because of the overrun that you described? And I can only imagine how the local population is 
quote unquote happy with that? Uh, or would you encourage only uh, only uh, Hampton people, Hampton synagogue people, no, to come? No, no. Uh, listen, as long as there's room, you have to call right. the Hampton synagogue. Go on our website, you know, thehamptonsynagogue.org. Is the local community a little uh, a little um, hot under the collar with everybody coming in? No, no. It, it's not like there's this, um, you know. Uh, you know, deluge of uh, right. you know, people coming. You know, I'm just saying it's just you're at capacity. It's very full, right? It's very full, and uh, and then we're continuing our author discussion series in person on Thursday evenings, and we have some of the most celebrated Jewish authors who are showing up and speaking from the podium, from the pulpit. Again, the pulpit. we have limited seating. Right. Uh, some of these authors will also be. Uh, Televised, or uh, you know, we'll, we'll do it online. Um, so we're having, uh, you know, quite. I, I mean, I the example we're setting that in the midst of all this craziness and in the midst of all you know this pandemic, there's still ways you know to celebrate, to celebrate as a community, celebrate in person. You just have to think out of the box. Now, if we're going to do something that I keep recommending to people not to do during this time, which is lament what could have been, um, so a couple of things that are missing, obviously, aside from the fundraising for the synagogue, which is su- significant, substantial, and necessary, you still, even with that need, open up your synagogue to fundraising for important international Jewish causes. I would assume that that's going to be limited this summer. Well, it's limited in terms of many of these organizations you know, have not reached out to us. Right. Because normally they would show up and spend Shabbat with you. Show up, you know, sometimes three or four at a time. Right. Um, but, um, it, you know, that's a very, very difficult, uh, very challenging. And if a synagogue is really known um, for, for many good reasons, but but one of is no, if, if one of the reasons the synagogue is well known is for their kiddish, what happens during COVID nineteen when that kiddish would not be uh, be able to be? There presented? is there was no kiddish this summer. Wow! Uh, everyone you never walking. you never thought you'd say that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but um, everyone walking out of shul, you know, gets a very special treat right. um, from our local bakery cafe, you know, which is under our kosher supervision. Um, but it's also. It just demonstrates that people are not coming to the shul for the kiddush. Right. Um, well, I'm telling you, there's a lot of positivity, um, good energy out here. Um, you know, the OU branded us a year ago as the most philanthropic uh, congregation in the Jewish world. Yeah, undisputed. Undisputed. And uh, listen, we, we plan on uh, living up to that you know, next summer. But again, I'm not comparing this season to prior seasons. I'm right. comparing what we're doing to what other houses of worship are doing. No, of course. And we are just crushing it, just crushing it. Now. You, you think they'll allow the choir back in for Rosh Hashanah, or it's impossible to project? Oh, pre- oh, oh uh, 100%. Oh, they will be there? Again, they have been, you know, pre-recording with uh, Cantor Hirschick, you know, the different Shabbat services. But in terms of being in person, they will be back for Rosh Hashanah. Information about all of this, including the drive-in film festival, go to the 
HamptonSynagogue.org, TheHamptonSynagogue.org. Two more things I want to discuss with you, Rabbi Schneier. First of all, uh, look, I mean, your relationship with the people in Dubai, UAE, it's well known. How do you think they and other Arab states will react if, in fact, uh, in a couple of days there is some type of formal annexation out of Jerusalem? First, I don't believe there's going to be some formal type of annexation. Maybe there might be a token annexation in terms of communities like Male Adumim and a few others. Um, But uh, I I don't think there's going to be that formal, dramatic annexation. annexation coming out of this. I mean, I'd be very, very surprised at this point. That's number one. And number two, which I've been saying all along throughout the pandemic, that um, Gulf states do see areas where they can work closely with Israel that transcend political and ideological differences. Probably the uh, first and foremost is combating uh, the uh, COVID-19 coronavirus. Um, if you had this cooperation partnership uh, between uh, the Gulf states and Israel, I, I think as a region, uh, with their resources and Israel's brain trust and innovative technology, um, they could lead the way in terms of finding a cure not only for the region, you know, but for the world at large. Right. And I've heard this from so many leaders across the Gulf. That, uh, and, and I was listening. I was very honored that the Arab News, which is the leading English paper in Saudi Arabia, Saudi uh, Arabia for that matter, in the Gulf, actually featured an op-ed by me two weeks ago hmm. um, on this very subject. You know, they, they've never had an op-ed by a rabbi before, um, and I spoke about you know the time for the Gulf and Israel to come together in combating coronavirus, but, uh, you know, Bahrain reached out to Sheba Medical Center, Kuwait reached out to Sheba Medical Center, both uh, Qatar and UAE are sending uh, humanitarian aid to uh, Palestinians in Gaza right now. Um, it's, it's a healthy competition in terms of which Gulf state can work with Israel. They're all going, you know, in their own, taking their own different paths. But there's no question that we're moving uh, to a place of uh, greater cooperation between Israel and the Gulf. Boy, what a different world we're in. And finally, and I'm taking a risk here because I don't know if you agree with me on this topic, it's the 19th day in a row that we've invited Governor Cuomo on to discuss his decision regarding overnight summer camps. Um, And I know that obviously you have a good relationship with the governor, as you mentioned. Uh, do you find anything strange about the way he handled this, day camps being open, overnight camps being closed, and in general some of the inconsistencies that we've seen uh, regarding openings and closures due to COVID-19? Look, one thing I know that when it comes to the Jewish community, um, Andrew Cuomo's commitment, uh, there is no inconsistency. Um, you know, I know of his uh, supreme and dedication. And remember, I'm also speaking as one of his official advisors. You know, I was appointed uh, by the governor uh, to the task force uh, to uh, oversee the reopening of houses of worship in New York State. Um, I understand people's frustrations and upset. Um, at the same time, you know, look at where New York State is today, and then look at states like Florida, Georgia. 
Texas, and the governor has taken a lot of heat uh, for being as vigilant and for being as um, forceful as he has been. Um, I've been very, very supportive of his efforts. I'm not trying to uh, minimize you know, the frustrations of uh, many, uh, whether people, you know, in you know, children in my own family or uh, you know, you know in, in my congregational family. I understand the frustrations, but I think overall the governor has done an amazing, amazing job in setting the right example uh, here in the United States today. Well, I hope in your role as advisor you'll feel the, uh, uh, the um, I, I don't want to say need, but you'll feel the importance of asking him to accept our invitation and at least address this in this public forum to the community. I think one of the things that is so frustrating is that we just don't understand some of the logic behind it, and I think if he would explain that, to our community, things would uh, go a lot, a lot more smoothly. Uh, Rabbi Schneier, I thank you. Those who want to check out the film festival, drive-in style, out at the Hamptons, it's thehamptonsynagogue.org. And uh, like you said, a little bit of a different summer, Rabbi, but I hope it'll be a productive summer for your synagogue. Sounds like it will be. It's going to be very productive. It's going to be very positive. Uh, we're just going to make the best of this situation. Let's remember. God willing, this is a temporary situation. We'll all get through it. And uh, I will definitely relay your message to the governor. I appreciate that. And and let's see uh, what we can facilitate for you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that very much. And look forward to seeing you soon out there at, uh, what's the name of the cafe again? Remind me. (laughs) Oh, the uh, Beach Bakery Cafe. Beach Bakery Cafe. Boy, I'll... if you want, you can join us for dinner at the Humboldt Hills food truck. I appreciate that. Remember, order the Schneier. That's the best thing. <laughs> I'm taking a risk if I don't make sure to have the Schneier on the menu. <laughs> Thank you, Rabbi. Be well. My pleasure. Inf- have a wonderful day. I appreciate that. Information, the Hampton Synagogue.org. More coming up. It's JM in the AM.